Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. But I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew. And Jeff, it looks like we're going to finish up Matthew today. (laughs) Matthew chapter 28. Amen. Matthew chapter 28. We're actually going to look at a couple of verses there, a few verses in in the 27th, and then uh, over into 28. I just have to get all my pages straightened out here. And we looked last week at the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus and various events surrounding the crucifixion. And today we're going to look at the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we've mentioned that we serve a living Savior, a living Savior. And uh, all of these uh, cults and false uh, uh, religions of the world, all of their founders are dead. But our Lord lives. Amen. He is a risen Savior. And so, beginning at verse 57 in the 27th chapter. Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there, and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, We remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead, so the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. 
So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were going, behold, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them, his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. Let's pray, please. Our Father in God, as we study your word, we pray that you will teach us by your Holy Spirit. Illuminate our understanding. Enable us, Lord, to understand and to apply your holy word to our lives, that we might bring honor to you and be of benefit to the kingdom by reaching lost people. And as your church, being faithful in reaching lost people and discipling them, teaching them just as you taught us. Now, Lord, as we look into your word, speak to each of our hearts. And again, for anyone who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior today, we pray they will come to know you in this service. In thy name, Lord Jesus, we pray and give thanks. Amen. So, last week we looked at the crucifixion, and of course, Jesus dies. Now, usually, those who were crucified executed by crucifixion might last for two, three, or maybe even as many as four or five days. But you see, Jesus died within just a few hours. Because remember, Jesus yielded up his own life. The Bible teaches that Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it back again. And so he yielded up his life unto the Father. And of course, he died in our place, the innocent one, in place of all of us, the guilty. And so when the evening had come, a rich man, Joseph of Arimathea, now, 
Joseph was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was a Jewish leader. He was a religious leader. But he had come to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. But he's referred to as a, a secret disciple. And he was a wealthy man. And over, if we read in the other gospel accounts, for fear of the Jews, for fear of the religious authorities. And yet, when they held this mock trial to condemn Jesus, Joseph of Arimathea disagreed with them. The Bible says that he did not agree with what they were doing. And so he comes to the governor, Pilate, and he requests the body of Jesus. And Pilate grants that request. And the scripture tells us in the other gospel accounts that he was, he, he was surprised that Jesus had died so quickly. But of course, he didn't understand. He didn't realize that they really hadn't killed Jesus. Jesus had yielded up his life of his own power. And so then, Jesus is buried in fulfillment of the scripture. You say, what does that mean? Well, over in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, and specifically verse 9, it says that his grave was made with the rich. Joseph of Arimathea, it says, was a rich man. And Jesus was buried in a rich man's tomb. And so the scripture is very specific. And we mentioned to you last week also how that both the Isaiah chapter 53 and the 22nd Psalm, if you've not read the 22nd Psalm, or maybe this is new information for you, I would encourage you to read Psalm 22 and read Isaiah chapter 53, because what you'll see there is Jesus being portrayed. The crucifixion and the response of the various characters who play a role in the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. And the prophecy of all that Jesus would experience as he offered his life for us for you, for me, for the entire human race. And Pilate grants the request to have the tomb sealed and guarded. Now, isn't it interesting that these priests, these religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, they knew exactly what Jesus said. But remember that during the trial, they said that he spoke blasphemously because he spoke of destroying the temple and the temple, that he could build the temple or rebuild the temple in three days, when in fact he was actually speaking of his, of his body. And you notice that they come to Pilate and they say, this deceiver said that he would rise after the third day. So they understood. You see? Do you see how wicked they really were? They did not care about the truth. And we have many today, sadly, in the church as well as in public life and in government, who do not care about the truth. All they care about is their own way, no matter who it might be. Oh, 
Some of the ladies and I went this Friday to visit the First Choice Pregnancy Center. I didn't, I didn't realize how terribly bad it really is. It's absolutely horrific. I learned, or we learned, that there is an organization here called the Wild West Foundation. They pay for women to travel here to Las Vegas, Nevada to have an abortion from anywhere in the country. They, they pay their, their, their fare on the flight or bus or however they get here. They pay for their, their room at a hotel and board. And uh, what is that, uh, uh, the uh, Uber, Uber drivers? Okay. To pick them up at the airport and to take them to the, to the uh, abortion clinics. But here's a marvelous thing. You see, where the first choice pregnancy is located in the same complex, just uh, maybe, maybe 100 yards away, is the abortion clinic, one of many that we have here in, in the city. And so oftentimes when those Uber drivers drop the, the ladies off, they actually go into the first choice pregnancy center thinking that they're going into the abortion center. And so they receive them, of course, with open arms, and they begin to, to speak to them and to talk with them. And if they have the opportunity to do the, uh, the scan, what is that scan called, ladies, again? The ultrasound that more than 80% of those young ladies, and some of them are not so young, once they hear that heartbeat, and they have this great big screen in, in the roofs, they have the computer monitor as well as, a, as, well as a, a screen, and they can see the baby, and they hear the baby's heartbeat. When they hear the baby's heartbeat, she said, that's when you see it on their face. They, they change their mind. And more than 80% of them who experience that decide to keep their little baby. And so then they, they help them. And, and I think I mentioned this before. For up to two years, they help them to, to take care of that little baby. But you see, there are so many people who, who don't care about the truth. And these religious people came to Pilate and they said, that deceiver... They knew exactly what he had taught. And isn't it interesting, the disciples forgot all about it. Well, the Bible tells us that not only Joseph of Arimathea, but he was also helped by Nicodemus. And you, you know that name from the Gospel of John. Because Nicodemus was also a member of the Sanhedrin. But the Bible tells us that Nicodemus actually came and helped Joseph of Arimathea and they, and they took the body of the Lord Jesus and they wrapped it according to the Jewish tradition and prepared it with various, various spices and such. But this request to have the tomb sealed, that meant that they would basically put wax to where the, where the stone was, was placed to seal the tomb, they then would, would come with wax and they would seal it. 
And then the royal seal of the governor was put on that wax. And then they, they set a guard there, Roman guards, soldiers. Hmm. But then came Sunday. Then came Sunday. Amen. And to Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and uh, Joseph, they, they come to visit the tomb. Now, as we read there, when they were sealing the tomb, these Marys had gone there and basically they were watching as all this took place. And then they come back on Sunday morning. You see, Jesus was crucified on Friday. And it was approximately around 3 o'clock when the Lord Jesus yielded up his spirit. That's what the scripture teaches us. And what is so important there is at 3 o'clock over in the temple area was when the priests were sacrificing the lambs for the Passover. You understand? Because Jesus is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, slain for the, the sin of the human race. He is the ultimate sacrifice. And so they come to visit the tomb, and they brought spices to anoint the body of, of Jesus. And all of a sudden, an earthquake, an earthquake occurs, and an angel descends. He rolls the stone away and sits on top of it. <laughs> And the event is witnessed by these brave soldiers who basically fainted. They fainted out of fear. They fainted. The Bible says, and they became like dead men. <laughs> now, if you know anything about the Roman legion, the Roman soldiers, these are hardened soldiers, okay? But I tell you, when an angelic being, a heavenly being, comes out of heaven, and you experience a, an earthquake, my goodness, boom, they hit the floor, they hit the ground, dead. But notice the ladies are fine. You notice that? And of course the angel comes to the ladies and he says, do not be afraid. Because I know that you are seeking Jesus. He's not here, for he has risen. And then he, he invites them, come, come take a look. Come and take a look. Look, look into the tomb where, where he had laid. And they could see that the tomb was empty. Now, if you've never heard this before, you need to know that the angel didn't roll the, the, the stone away so that Jesus could come out. Jesus didn't need the stone rolled away to come out. The stone was rolled away so that the ladies and others could look in. It's very important. Very, very important. Because, you see, Jesus was already resurrected and out of the tomb. Because they didn't see him coming out of the tomb when... when when the angel rolled the stone away, did they? But they saw the angel come and roll the stone away and then sit upon it. And he said, come on, take a look in here. 
He's not here. He's not here for he is he has risen. Amen. He's conquered death and he has risen. And then he says something else. Go. Go and tell. Very important. Come and see and go and tell. Come and see, go and tell. So, so important. So people responded differently to the news of Jesus' resurrection. And notice this, they're filled with joy, probably an, an indescribable joy, as they, as they make their way to go and talk to the disciples. They're met by none other than Jesus Christ, the Lord. And he says, rejoice. <laughs> rejoice. And they fall at his feet and worship him. And the Bible teaches that we are to worship only God. And Jesus is God the Son. You see, Sadly, too many people don't understand that Jesus is God the Son. For the Bible teaches that God has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And he is worthy of our worship. And these women fall at his feet and worship him. I'll tell you something else that's so interesting, and that is this. That the women were there at the crucifixion. They were there at the burial. And they were there to see the tomb that was empty. And they were, they were there to get to see Jesus on his resurrection day. And like the angel, the Lord tells them not to be afraid. Because I'm, I'm sure they were quite shocked and amazed to see Jesus alive and wondering, is this really him? But when they heard him speak, they knew, they understood. And notice he says, go and tell. They saw him. They were to go and tell. And then I see I have a, unless Eden corrected it here, I have a misspelled word. The soldiers, the soldiers go and report to the priests, to the religious leaders who were supposed to be about truth. They're supposed to be about leading the people and teaching and sharing the truth. These guys come and they, they report. They report what they saw. They said, man, there was an earthquake. And, a, and, an, and an angel came out of heaven and rolled the stone away. I thought they were waiting for the Messiah to, to come. Sadly, I listened to a, a very, very intelligent Jewish professor this week. Actually, it was a, a, a roundtable of uh, 
of scholars, and um, both from the Christian and the Jewish perspective, and discussing discussing the commandments and such. And a very, very intelligent man. But he said something that was, I found to be both surprising and disappointing. He basically said that Judaism, or, or obeying the commands, really has nothing to do with intent, or in other words, the heart. It has to do with the outward, the outward performance of the command. You see, and that was the way that they thought way back then. And that was the huge mistake. That was why when Jesus preached that Sermon on the Mount and he talked about, it has been said by them of old time, right? Do not do this and blah, blah, blah. He said, but I tell you, as a person thinks in their heart, so is that person. Because sin begins here in the heart. Yes, the intent does matter. The heart, the heart, the heart. And their hearts were far from God. They paid lip service to God, but their hearts were not surrendered or submitted to God. So what do they say? They hear this report. These are the soldiers that, that were there. They saw this and they, they said, well, don't repeat that. Don't, don't repeat it. When you're asked, you tell them that you guys all fell asleep. And that while you were asleep, his disciples came and took his body. Now that doesn't make sense either. How in the world are they supposed to know who took the body if they were asleep? Really, think, think that through. They're asleep, and they know the body's been taken, and they know who took it, but they were, they were sound asleep, didn't hear a thing. These guys, you know, they, they rolled that stone away, broke into the, into the tomb, and, and took the body out. Well, guess what? Ladies and gentlemen, over in Israel, there is an empty tomb. There is an empty tomb because Jesus lives. And the disciples did not steal his body away. But they give them money. They bribe them. And then they plot this deception. They said, don't worry about the governor. We'll take care of him. We'll make sure that you're okay. Because you see, in that day, and even today, if a soldier is put on guard, and uh, they fall asleep while they're on guard, and they're caught sleeping, they're going to suffer significant punishment. And back in ancient times, they, they might even be put to death, especially if they're guarding a criminal. And the criminal escapes, they pay with their own life. So they, they gave them a lot of money. And as uh, Matthew, as we read here, indicates that when he wrote the Gospel of Matthew, that that lie was still being told throughout Israel. And many people today refuse. They refuse to hear or to accept the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Now I want to share with you 
eight very significant truths. I got these from uh, some comments made by Warren Worsby, a, a well-known uh, theologian, a Baptist pastor, years gone by. And I believe he's gone home to be with the Lord. Several truths. Number one, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ proves that Jesus is the Son of God. Secondly, it attests to the truth of Scripture. Because the, the crucifixion and the resurrection are all foretold in the Scripture. It assures us of our own future resurrection. I mentioned a moment ago that the, the, uh, the cults and the false religions and the, and the philosophies of the world, they all end at the grave. They end at the grave. But the Bible teaches that there is hope, there is life beyond the grave. You see, we don't die without hope because we don't die. The body ceases to function. Yes, the body dies. The body ceases to function. When the, when the time comes for each one of us, and that time will come, this body will no longer function. But our soul, our spirit will go to the Lord, and we live forever with Him. And then the day is coming when, by God's power, those who believe in Him are going to be resurrected and once again united, but with a glorified body, a body like the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Christ also is proof that a future judgment upon the wicked. Judgment is coming. It will come. Also, fifthly, it is one of the central truths of the gospel. You see, the gospel includes the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. And it is also the basis for our future inheritance. The Bible says that we are co-heirs together with Christ. Everything that God has given, uh, that the Father has given to, to the Son, that Jesus shares with us who love Him, that we are co-heirs together with Him. We have a heavenly inheritance. Maybe you've, you've lost an inheritance here. But guess what? God has a better one waiting for you in heaven. Amen. <laughs> It is also the foundation for Christ's heavenly priesthood. You see, Jesus is our Savior. He is our high priest. We mentioned last week that when he, when he yielded up his life and died, the veil in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom, signifying that God had opened the access to the throne of his grace through the death of his son. Amen. And it also gives power and purpose to the Christian life. We serve a risen Savior. And so what do we learn from these passages? The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ is the ultimate message of hope. Christianity in the Bible speaks hope. 
And sadly, in our Sunday school lesson, we, we studied discontent. Discontent, and now so many people are filled with discontent. You see, because you can only be content in the Lord. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, your life will lack contentment and peace. And sadly, there are many Christians, people who know the Lord, and yet their lives are filled with discontentment, mainly because they're not, they're, they're not nurturing a healthy relationship with the Lord. They're grasping for what this world has to offer. Our Lord Jesus Christ is Lord of heaven and earth, and he possesses all authority. We read that here in what is commonly referred to as the Great Commission. He says all authority, both in heaven above and on the earth below, all authority. And the Greek word there is the word exousia, which is different from the, the other word that's used oftentimes, uh, like over in the, in the, um, uh, the book of Romans, uh, chapter 1, verse 16, where the Apostle Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power that is the dunamis, where we get our word dynamite or dynamo, even the word dynamic, that explosive power, might. Here, Jesus is referring to the authority. He has the authority. He has the right to declare and to make known. He has the right to make a decree. And he has the right to commission us. And we go forth in and on the basis of his authority to proclaim the message of the gospel. Go and tell his story. You see, like the disciples, we are to come and see for ourselves. And then we are to go and tell. We are to share his love, his life, his message of hope. There are so many people in this world who lack hope. And they, they don't want to talk about death, or the, even the, the reality of death, because they're afraid of death. And the Bible teaches that we have nothing to fear. We have, we have nothing to fear because we know the Lord, and he's conquered death. I mentioned that First Choice Pregnancy Center. I'm going to share something with you that is just so disturbing. They've come up with this uh, abortion pill. And these pills are given to these pregnant ladies in two stages. The first pill starves the baby. The chemicals contained within that pill starve the baby so that even though the mother eats, nothing gets to the baby and the baby starves. And I want you to know, I wish I'd have brought that, they gave us these little, um, little models of, of babies at the various stages. 
from the earliest, it looks like a human being because it is a human being. Because life begins in the heart of God. In the heart of God, that's, that's where life begins. And it's a person created in the image of God. But they take these pills and they, they starve these, these little poor little babies. And then after a few weeks, they then take a, another set of pills. That's to then expel the baby out. And some of them expel it when they're, and I don't mean to be, to be distasteful here or gross, when they're, they're going to the restroom. It just falls out. And so they flush it down the toilet. See, they don't tell you that on TV, do they? And, and this government and this president and certain people in political parties, they support this and they push this. And they lie and they say that it's about women's health care. Yeah, that's why this one woman they were telling us about had 16 abortions. Because it was about health care. No, it was about her not keeping those legs closed. That's what that was about. It was about immorality and cruelty and wickedness from the top on down. A little, little baby, helpless. Think about that when you go to vote. Because when you cast a vote for people who support that, guess what? You are responsible for it. And make no mistake about it, God holds his people accountable. We're to make disciples. The Lord Jesus Christ is always with us, always. That's the promise. Always with us. And he, he charges his people to go and to tell, to teach and to make disciples, to baptize. Now, there are many parachurch organizations, and you can understand this as a Christian. You don't have to join parachurch organizations, but you are to join the church. And the, the New Testament teaches the local church that is the primary organism, if you will. We are the corporate body of believers, and it is the church's responsibility to reach the lost, to teach and nurture and disciple the saved, and to teach the word of God, and to impact the world with the message of Christ. Sadly, many people get that mixed up. And they become attached to a parachurch organization instead of being committed to the Lord and the Lord's work through the church. You say, well, they're a part of the church. Well, yes, in the universal sense. But the work that the Lord has done, he did through the local church. All you have to do is open up the New Testament and look at the New Testament. The book of Romans. Romans is written to who? It's written to the, to the Christians of Rome, the churches of Rome, to the churches of Galatia, the church at Philippi, and on and on and on. And so we as the Lord's people are to make disciples. It is the Great Commission. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation.
The invitation is God's invitation to you to give your life to Him. As we sing, you come, make your decision for Christ. Maybe you need to be baptized. Well, you come and make that commitment. Or, or maybe to join the church, you come. Don't wait. Let's stand and sing. Let the Lord have His way in your life. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.